0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Alchemy of Bits podcast. I am one of your hosts, Carlos. I'm here with my co host, Matt. What's going on? How's it going? It's been a minute, Matt, since we've recorded one of these. Both, yeah. these, both have been busy. Uh both you have had quite a change in your life.
1: Yeah. You are a dad. I am now a dad and it is amazing and scary anxiety ridden at some points and I've never felt happier. So I've noticed a lot of changes about myself just instinctively that have happened, which is kind of cool. Well, can you, can you share one of those changes or what those changes are? So it used to be hard to drag my ass out of bed at nine in the morning. Or like uh-huh. 8.30, sometimes, you know, I just sleep in. Like, fuck it, what, what responsibilities do I have besides a job? And now the kid cries. I'm up at 5 45. no problem. I shoot up out of bed, perfectly fine. Go downstairs, it is what it is. Um, another one, I I noticed when I like write code and I drink coffee and I'm at the computer and I'm thinking, I bite my nails a lot. That was like one of my biggest pet peeves about myself that I hated totally stopped ever since this kid was born, just gone. And I wonder if that's like a lessening of my anxiety because I'm just a happier person now. Not that I wasn't happy before, but you know what I mean? Like there's this level to it where I'm just like internally happy. Now I just don't chew on my nails. So
0: first one makes a lot of sense. The second one is very interesting. The chewing nail, like stopping the nail chewing. I, I wonder if that's more of a result of, you just being tired from from caring for the baby that you're no
1: longer like having these um, idiosyncrasies it's interesting I don't know yeah definitely a bad habit I was trying to kick so if anyone's trying to kick that habit go have yourself a baby <laughs> yeah
0: casually just you know oh, like let's just have the kid
1: and that'll get yeah. rid of my nail biting yeah yeah everything's been good how about you how was your last two weeks
0: busy 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 i feel like it's truly a um back to school back to you know the grind kind of moment it, you know as summer turns into fall here although this week is quite a uh heat wave here in our areas um the 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 feeling of summer winding down and um work things picking up Responsibilities and stuff that you gotta get done. Maybe that's just me, but I feel like, um, I I i I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the back to school vibes.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I have fallen in love with fall, no pun intended, but yeah, it's just I think the best season. So I'm excited that it's coming. The leaves falling. I'm a bit of a romantic, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> Rank your the weather seasons. cooling. You know, you know when you go outside and you get that like crisp, fresh air. I yeah. feel like you really only get that in the beginning of fall.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I know it's exactly what you're talking about, especially in the northeast, especially where there's a lot of seasons. Yeah. Uh, or rather, yeah. seasons are, you know, felt. Um, um, sweater weather. Gotta love the sweater weather yeah the a pumpkin m. spice latte weather uh matt what can you rank your 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 four seasons for me like which ones are your is fall number one off the cuff i we not yeah, so bear
1: this what are your what's your ranking power ranking i'm just gonna go based on now it was way different when i was younger but now it would probably be fall spring summer winter fall spring summer winter winter is last yeah falls number 1 if i could somehow get new york to never snow again i would i hate snow snow sucks different when i was a kid though loved it i'm sure how about you rank your let's rank some seasons i go summer spring fall winter okay also i honestly Montana, think winter.
0: fall and winter yeah honestly i think fall and winter are t3 i don't necessarily dislike one more than the other. I love the summer. Um, I think if I think back to, I think it was our first or second ever podcast. We talked about our perfect months, uh, perfect weeks, perfect days, perfect months. I think that was the topic. And I essentially, uh, alluded to, you know, a summer month. I basically said a summer month was one of my perfect months. Right where there's leisurely time. Um, But yeah, I mean, both of those time periods are great for golfing. And of course I'm a big golf guy, love playing golf. So you can play golf, honestly, like in the fall and winter as well. Get outside as long as there's not snow on the ground, as long as your conditions, uh, you know, the conditions allow for play. Um, Golf can be a year round thing, especially with this, climate change and global warming and you know
1: yeah i imagine golf is harder when it's windier obviously but like a lot harder
0: yeah oh yeah for sure absolutely wind is one of the elements that you always on the golf course have to be considering how is the wind how strong is it is it going to move my ball do people
1: actually use the licking the thumb in the air trick
0: I mean, sure, you can do that, but the most common, like nine and a half times out of 10, someone, like this is what I do, you just pull some grass off the ground, throw it in the air, right? And see Uh, which direction it falls. You've never seen that? That's pretty common. Just Yeah, just throw some grass up in the air. If you ever see golf on TV, and you see them do that? That's what they're doing. They're evaluating which wind direction. Yeah. what the wind direction is. You're also looking at the top of trees, if those are around you and seeing which, like how they're swaying.
1: What kind of calculation are you running in your head when you see blades of grass go like two feet to the right to match that to the weight of a golf ball?
0: You're you're kind of, you're just, you're you're evaluating, you're guessing how strong the wind is and then direction. So obviously those two factors, and then you adjust your alignment and your aim. Uh, from that so in your example if it's if the wind is blowing hard to the right or you know it's, if it's blowing to the right and then you aim a little bit more left because you expect the wind to, to carry your ball to the right and it does most of the time sometimes it doesn't there's a lot of factors that go into it maybe the wind just stops right in the middle or like between you know you you figuring that and you hitting your shot wind that swirls that you know that's a thing. Oh gosh, it's so interesting when you kind of when you kind of understand that element to it because the wind that's here at eye level, right? Uh Is different than the wind that's like 75 feet above the ground. It can be. It can be. So you hit a shot and it doesn't land where you want it to land or where you expect it to land if you hit it perfectly, if you execute it. And you know, that's the rub of the green, as we call it, as we say, right? That's just, it yeah. is what it is.
1: You know, so in my sport, baseball, there's actually something, another, like an element most people wouldn't even think of that is an element. Obviously, wind is there and all that humidity.
0: Oh, humidity is a thing in golf too, but yeah, humidity. Yeah. So, okay, let me ask you this, or based on what you know from baseball, what does humidity do to the baseball?
1: It would dull it. So it wouldn't have as much pop. It wouldn't go as far.
0: That's interesting. and I you're you're right. I've been told that that's what humidity does to balls, to sports, balls. uh, baseball that makes sense, especially with a denser you know, baseball compared to a golf ball. in golf though, the common trait like the common thought is that humidity actually increases distance. Mm. But you're right, scientifically it doesn't. But what it what humidity does is it loosens your muscles, so guys, you know, will hit longer drives, hit longer shots, because their body, their muscles are looser, and they're able to hit the ball harder. They're able to turn faster, speed, like their swing speed increases. So there's like this, what's the term? It, there's this like um. Uh, common uh, misunderstanding is a better phrase for that, that's escaping me right now. But, like, yeah, the humidity people, golfers think humidity, oh, the ball is going to go farther. But it doesn't. You're right. Like, the air is denser because there's more perspiration. There's more like, there's humidity in the air, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Um, Cool. You want to dive in? Sure. Let's do it. Let's roll so you have a number you have two numbers
0: i have two numbers i think you have a question
1: i do have a question but let's end with so, that it's more
0: philosophical yeah i agree so my first i'll, I'll do my two numbers my first one putting up a number putting up a number number 1 the first number uh is 14.2% i'm going to read this quote from um from the pr newswire uh, it's just a a a PR statement put out by someone. I can't. I'm gonna figure that out. Uh, but basically, this quote is okay. The global SOC as a service, SOC as a service market size, is projected to reach seven hundred and seventy-two point nine million by twenty twenty-eight. That's up from two hundred and ninety-six point three million in twenty twenty-one which is a K-A- oh, sorry, CAGR of 14.2% uh, between 2022 and 2028. 14.2% is my number that I'm putting up. I know there was a few numbers there, but 14.2%. Uh, so, so first of all, compound annual growth rate, that's what CAGR is. <laughs> so it's growing at that compounded rate. And then, uh, SOC is security operations center. Basically, it's security like SOC as a service. So, uh, security as a service, or like centralizing your security as a service. I, I think you might be able to speak better at to to SOC. Have you encountered SOC in your? Yeah. So,
1: yes, and. Doing it as a service is interesting. So we have, where I'm at now, we have our own security team like on, on premise or just on our team in general. But I've heard about how fast this thing is expanding. And I've actually listened to like, I don't know if you listen to like the Eight Sixteen Z podcast or anything like that, but I've heard them talk about this a lot. And security is becoming like a massive concern, obviously with AI too. So, I have a feeling that they're not even accounting for like how fast it's going to compound by the time 2028 rolls around.
0: Sure. Yeah. I, I the the article does say that, and this is another quote from the article, the demand for a cost efficient security solution is expected to further fuel the sock as a service market growth. So basically I think the demand is increasing. That's a variable here that like many, I think, may underestimate especially like great point with ai um you know my wife is a um uh, data privacy lawyer um in-house at a rather large company and you know security uh as like its own kind of uh dedicated area like it's it's a thing right it's growing every company every saas company particularly every online company is going to be wanting to make sure their ducks are in order and, and, and I, I do think it's going to i mean with this um with the data presented here the like the the argument presented here it's 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 growing like the it's going to be a growing market so mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of opportunity here and something that's, that's the main thing i want to call out when i um as i put up this number
1: Before, like, we should talk about the opportunity because I'm curious what you see. But I think one of the cool things about it, like having it outsourced and having it as a service is you get security at the edge or on the edge, as Mm -hmm. you're saying tech, which it means uh, essentially like all the bleeding edge advancements, right? Like if you have it in-house, typically like your security team is like securing your code base with like what they know, but it's really hard to get like all the... Cutting edge, just released advancement that came out like last month, you know, because then they have to go and learn it and then implement it. And by the time they do that, the next thing's already out. But because like some of these, I guess, I don't know who the SaaS players are in this space or service players are in general, but I would imagine that they have a massive team dedicated to like the bleeding edge security uh, protocols. And whoever they work with, they're just plugging in.
0: Yeah, like that is the industry. That is what they are specializing and they're coming to the table as experts on. So you would hope that, yeah, they are the experts. And that's what you're tapping into, you're buying into when you tap into the SOC as a service um, industry, right? Yeah, I completely agree. It makes sense to outsource this for a lot of companies. Um, the company that I was alluding to that my wife works at, she they definitely <clears throat> have outsourced this stuff specifically um SOC2, which is an optional. Uh it's a call, co- it's um SOC2 compliance is voluntary, right? Uh, um, but most big it, and it's it's voluntary, but really it's it's actually a essentially like a must. It is a a, necess- a necessary thing for big companies capturing data, right? SOC2, yeah. I, I don't have a great definition. Essentially, I just think of it as like it's kind of like a badge of honor that says like we are like compliant, you know, compliant. Yeah. We are, we right. can, we, we control our data. We are, we're good. And it's very tedious from my understanding. Um, Like I have worked at a company where we went through SOC 2 and it's a, it is tedious a lot a lot of stuff you have to get together. Um, And outsourcing that makes a lot of sense, right? Cause it, you don't pull, you're not, you're not pulling time away from, your your dev team, you're not pulling time away from your head of product, your product team, uh, to get this stuff in order, just to really say like, you know, we are SOC two. And I think for a lot of companies, a lot of startups particularly, they need SOC two because a lot of big companies, enterprise companies, won't work with them unless they have it, right? Like even though it's not a um a requirement for a company to exist, right, in the U.S. marketplace or whatever, uh it is like a, you know, a deal breaker for a lot of enterprise clients. So the market for that, like the, I, so like the companies that offer that as a service, you know, a lot of, a lot of upside, 14.2%, three quarters of a billion dollars by 28, you know, it's over like almost 225 at this point, or I'm sorry, in 2021. So 225 million. So
1: are there any opportunities you can see for like smaller folks just getting started?
0: Not off the top of my head, right? Like, you know, I, I, this is very nebulous. This is like, oh, there's opportunity here, go for it, right? Um, I think this is going to take a more savvy and, and someone with deeper expertise than me to like call out, oh, this is where, this is the direction you should go to take advantage of this opportunity. But
1: it's there. Yeah, I mean, I I could maybe just pitch one idea for like an opportunity for someone who's looking for like something to start. You could do like security analysis of companies and websites in general, and then sell those leads to the big SOC centers, essentially. So you can go and be like, hey, site, I ran this massive security analysis against your website. Here's where you're screwing up. Here's where you're in danger. And then when they're like, yeah, oh, great. Help me fix that. You then sell that lead to one of the big companies.
0: Yeah. So lead generation basically, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Outsourced lead gen for SOC compliance or SOC as a service companies. Um, But I
1: don't think that you would be able to do that if it was like blogging and trying to rank number one to get the leads in. Because I think that the companies with the budget to outrank you will outrank you doing that so this to me sounds more like a pounding the pavement making phone calls kind yeah
0: of absolutely completely agree it's exactly I mean that's exactly where my mind was at like this is this is not a external facing you know like you said blogging or really anything um that you tap into it's more a if you know you know situation it's like a right what's that blue book is it like I think like that no that's different isn't it Mary's blue book. There was something. Kelly's blue book. Kelly's blue book. Yeah. No, that's different. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more specifically like an industry, like, you know, guide, like Angie's list. Sure. Angie's list is probably more of what I'm referring to. I'm so bad with reference. Like I know what I want to talk about. I don't always know what I'm talking about, but you, I think you get the gist. Essentially. I'm like, you know, if if we started that or if I started that, it's like, you know, Carlos's top ten companies that need suck, right? Like yeah. here are the emerging. Um, Carlos's ten companies that need to suck.
1: That's what you just said. I don't know. We'll no, I said
0: that. sure. That need to suck. Okay, that's one list. The other, the one. <laughs> that's a blog post. That's a blog post. But the one. Uh, let me rephrase that. Carlos's, you know, top ten opportunities for sock as a service providers. So if you're a SOC provider, you you want my list, got to pay for it for the premium version. You get all this data. It's essentially what you're doing. You're selling data, right? You're selling a persona.
1: Which sounds directly opposite of like security, right? (laughs) I'm going to sell you this list of data that someone has entrusted me with. No, I mean,
0: actually it's like... it's the opposite, but also it's like, clearly they, they, they need this, right? Clearly they need you because I was able to capture their data or access their data. Some, right. Right. So it's like, Hey, if I can do it, like they need you to, and they you could even point to like my list and be like, Hey, he got your stuff. Uh, so like, yeah, that's how we found you. So you should use us, right? right. us being the third, you
1: know, the, the sock as a I- service sock ass <laughs> By the way, I feel like this is an expensive service. I haven't looked it up, but I can imagine this is many, many, many tens of thousands of dollars a year in contracts. Yeah. And I wonder what startups do. Like, as security becomes more important, if you can't hire a security team and you also are outpriced by the big SOC compliance centers, what do you do? Right. You pay for it. I mean, yeah.
0: I mean, like I said earlier, as we talked about, it's a, Table stakes thing for a lot of enterprise companies. If that's where you want to go, so you gotta spend that you know VC funding on something, and right. I, this is probably it, right? Seed money, you gotta spend that seed round. Yeah. So the I mean, if you're bootstrap and you're trying to deal in this level, you probably want to get. You probably you either have like a lot of bootstrap, like you, you know, you've sold the company for thirty million dollars, and you're able to do this. Um, as a bootstrapped company or you need to get VC funding. I, I think there's like, you know, it's a sign that like, oh, we need SOC, like we need the money, like fintech companies, right? Fintech companies, how many fintech companies do you know that are bootstrapped? Mm. Those, those yeah. are the types of startups that are like required essentially to
1: have the SOC 2 right. compliance. All right. All right. uh, we should move on. There's someone yeah. out there who's like, "Oh my god, security, get on with it."
0: All right. Well, that was a, uh, yeah, that number. Let me put up my second number. This one's a lot more fun. Um, yes, I like fun. All right, one hundred and forty dollars for every two years. That is the number, and I'm gonna read you something from Bloomberg. Uh. This is a quote from the a Bloomberg article from August 31st. Okay. The Caribbean island in Gila, a British territory, has made bank this year because their country level domain address is .ai. Um, and amid the AI trend, they're making fortune off new registrations. Uh, this year, registrations at the top level domain doubled to 287,432 on the year, uh, which means Anguilla will reap in uh, in the ballpark of $30 million for the year from selling the domains. Wow. You know, the dot AI domains. That's up from 7.4 million in 2021. So from thir- like 7.4 million to 30 million in two years. And then registers, registrars, excuse me, registrars pay Anguilla $140 for two years of the dot AI. Registration, and and to be clear, the territory as a whole, Anguilla, uh, was expected to bring in one hundred and seven million in recurring revenue throughout the year, and and the GDP, according to, to the Department of Finance, uh the GDP in twenty twenty one was around three hundred million. So twenty twenty one
1: entire country
0: of of the British territory,
1: of the British territory. Okay. and Gila. Wow.
0: 300 million. They took in a hundred. So like a, a third of that. Sorry. Sorry. 300 million in 2021. Right. Uh, what, what did I say? So 7 million, 7.4 million in 2021 from selling the domains. That's going up to 30 this year. So their GDP is going to be more, <laughs> but like, yeah, lot, can you imagine just like having walking well, into it? Yeah, yeah. Dot um, AI, dot AI. Everybody, you know, every startup, right? Like any anybody that's pivoted in the last six to twelve months, pivoted to oh, we're an AI company now. By the way, there are five
1: hundred ways we could take this conversation.
0: Yes, correct.
1: First of all, this is awesome. Good for them. I, it, I'm i super curious what they're going to do with like all this newfound money, essentially, like kind of a small territory based on their GDP. And when this says it, they're expected to bring in 107 million in recurring revenue throughout the year, that's just on these domains, registrations, like renewals. I don't think so. I,
0: I'm not entirely clear on that part. I need to look back on the article to understand that bit a bit more. But I think I think we should just focus on the fact that they went from 7.4 to 30 in two years. And I think that's gonna grow, that's gonna continue to grow. I don't think that's gonna slow down anytime soon. Um and in the context, like that's a tenth of their GDP, that's a tenth of what their GDP was in 2021. Like the US GDP, can you imagine any one industry being a 10th of it, much less um, your country level domain address? It feels
1: like just like a stroke of luck, you know? Speaking of which, uh, just real quick, since you brought up the US and GDP in any one company, I'm reading Titan, which is the biography of John D. Rockefeller founder of Standard Oil. First of all, fantastic book. Highly, highly, highly recommend if you haven't read it. Um, at one point, they made reference to this. At one point, he had a personal net worth that was 3 to 5% of the entire U.S. GDP. His personal net worth. Rockefeller? Yeah. yep. Yeah. While he was alive. How insane is that? Like that just shouldn't be able to happen. Like you, that shouldn't
0: like be able to happen. Like how? Like why? Why does one
1: man have all that wealth? Well, I mean, Standard Oil, right? We're totally getting derailed here. Timing,
0: oil. Yeah, I get it. Yes, it seems like. Yeah, I don't know. This is my jaded view of the world at this point. But you know, billionaires. This is we're so derailed off the cop, but right. yeah. Okay, that's interesting. That's very, it's crazy that the man, one man, had five percent, three to five percent of America's GDP in the what? Twenties was it? Twenties, thirties, forties? When was that?
1: When they measured that, it might have been the nineties, eighteen nineties. I mean, eighteen
0: nineties. Okay, it could have been young country, back, relatively yeah. young country, right? So yeah I, I it's hard to fathom that happening in twenty twenty three although I don't I don't think that's actually far off from what's actually happening today with some of these billionaires also on this topic real quick my comment is that billionaires exist because they don't pay taxes like I feel like there should be some level of like not government I... overstep not government control but just you know, the the market or I don't know, something correcting it so that like one person isn't like having all the
1: cash, like
0: 5% of the, the richest country's GDP.
1: So I'm going to make just two comments on this. And I actually, I think this would be a very interesting podcast topic for me and you to debate either side of. Really? Comment one on John D. Rockefeller. He was uh-huh. highly philanthropic, donated a lot of money. He was also religious. I don't know if that matters to a lot of people out there. It might. But he also donated heavily to uh, Baptist churches. Um, He always gave back. So that's one thing. Two, I am super pro-billionaire. Like, I am all for billionaires. So I personally think this would be a very interesting discussion if you're I, up for it. I'm absolutely up for it. It is a... Car- it's going Carlos to be a future like, episode. We can't podcast together anymore. No, 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 no.
0: <laughs> I do think that, yeah, this is a fascinating topic. It is a legitimate debate. Should billionaires exist? You take the side of pro. I take the side of, um, you know, against essentially
1: yay and nay. I. Anyway, so many things we could say. I just want to say one more thing. I do think uh-huh. that the marker has moved. So I don't think that maybe in like the 1890s billionaires shouldn't have existed. But today I honestly just like with the way the market values companies now, it's so much easier to reach that billion point that I feel like the market move, maybe it's more like DECA billionaires shouldn't maybe exist or CENTA billionaires, you know, but yeah, let's, let's go back to Anguilla here. Um hundred and,
0: what was it? I'm sorry, $140, $140 for every two years. Every you two and I own, both own domains. Usually it's $12 for a year. You know, 140 for.ai. for .ai. I feel, I don't know, who sets that? I didn't even look into this, but like, I feel like that should be more, right?
1: Yeah, so I, I did research demand. when I saw your number here and I think the most expensive sold dot AI domain like acquired in the aftermarket uh-huh. was face.ai uh-huh how much I think it was a quarter of a million dollars I want to double check face.ai sells it was of course none of these headlines are just gonna have the number. One second. Doing live research on a podcast is always fun. Oh, it wasn't that much, actually. It was 20, $27,000. Okay, that's still like... Oh, okay, hold on. There's The highest one so far is a company called Expert.ai, or a domain. And that sold in 2020
0: for $108,000. In 2020? Yeah. Expert.ai. What did they do? I want to go there now, real quick. Or is it even a- being used?
1: That's a good question.
0: It is. Expert AI transforms data into knowledge.
1: Okay. Natural language solutions processing that it makes process. sense. Yeah. So I have two questions for you based on this, because domains are always fun to talk about. One let me start with the easier one first. Do you own any domains which you yeah. highly value personally? And have you ever had them valued?
0: Okay. I'll I do own domains. I you know, I do sit on a couple of domains. Um I'll name one. Uh I'll name two. I'll name two. Golfersmarketer.com. Okay. And I intend to do something with that eventually. In my professional life, that or I just has, have it just have it exist and redirect to me, like my you know personal consulting business.
1: First thing I thought of when I heard that name was like a golf, a professional golfers or even amateur golfers agency, like a sports agency for golfers, almost like a,
0: like like professional golfers, like for their yeah. like personal brands,
1: or 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 like like contract negotiation. Yeah, agent. Like you're marketing the golfer, you know. Yeah, like yeah. sports agent.
0: Right. Yeah, I I intended, like in my mind, it's golf brands, or because there's a lot of golf brands out there, not <laughs> not just your big OEMs like your Titleists and TaylorMade's, but like a lot of smaller brands, um, Instagram brands, like you know companies that are starting up because there's a lot of accoutrement in golf, like a lot of like accessories, and also. Fashion apparel. So it's a huge market, actually, relatively. I don't know. I don't have a number off the top of my head, but just from anecdotally looking at like the brands on social media that I could that come across my my social media feeds, there's a lot. So the idea was like cater to them, service to them. I own that domain. The other domain I want to bring up is millennialserotonin.com. And that's like that would be like a culture website. So both of these domains, if you go there, Nothing's there right now, but, and so I'm just kind of sitting on them, right? I've bought them in the last couple of years, $12 each, of course, I think. um, Millennial serotonin, it's just like, it would be like, I think a music blog. Lifestyle. Life, lifestyle, not even lifestyle, just like nostalgia, music commentary, indie rock is kind of where, you know, uh, I personally go with that. um maybe person like essays about like
1: millennial stuff. So like Nickelodeon shows or yes. like me, the nostalgia market. Is that a thing? That should be a thing. If it's not, it's certainly a thing on
0: like YouTube, right? Right. Like there are channels that you can go down rabbit holes on where they've done video essays on what I'm talking about. Old Disney, Disney channel shows, old Nickelodeon shows, um, things that millennials loved. Right in the late, in the 90s, early 2000s, right? Between 1994 and 2010, you know? Mm-hmm. 2012. All the music from that era, especially like, you know, like the indie rock, right? Did you ever watch The O.C.? No. You know, okay, that show, Melodramatic, whatever. The millennials loved it. Ate it, ate it up. A lot of the music on that show, I imagine, would be what? Um, how, what we would be written about on this millennialseratonin.com. Those are the two domains I own that I think with a little bit of effort could increase in value and someone might want to buy them. What about you, Matt? Let me turn the question to you. Do you own any domains that are worthwhile? It's essentially like internet real estate, right? That's kind of what we're talking about here, right? That's what domains are.
1: Yeah. Jealous of anyone who like was smart enough to get into this game in the early 90s. But um yeah so i have two that i think are worth i paid a lot for both of them though like these weren't twelve dollar buys it wasn't like oh i had a strike of stroke of genius and i found this twelve dollar domain name i wish but so when metaverse got super popular in 2020 uh a lot of people were buying verse ending domain names so something verse uh, carlos verse you know what i mean yeah um so i actually paid 7500 to buy market verse like wow. market verse okay dot, dot com um i thought that was a super strong name because like just the idea of an open market in a metaverse fashion i thought that had a you know, big brand potential and power behind it. So I was like, I'll, yeah, all right. I'm going to buy this. I think this will be worth more. Long story short, I'm going to tell you the other domain too, but I got both of these uh, valued a year after, and I'll tell you the updated value, or at least what someone thought it was worth. The other one was uh meos.com. So M-E-O-S. Meos.com. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like I-O-S, like me operating system. Yeah. That's operating I thought software, about it. Right. Operating system. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's also like super pronounceable. So it's hard to find four letter .coms that are pronounceable now. Like I actually went down a rabbit hole trying to find one. And when I found this one, I paid 18 grand for it. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. What an investment. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: okay. 7.5 and 18 K between these yeah. two. Over 25 grand you've invested in on, uh, online real estate, internet domains. Yeah. All right, what's so, the event? All oh, right, go ahead. I'm just so, so curious I,
1: now. Yeah, I wound up getting them evaluated um, or reevaluated, like a year later. Uh, Marketverse, someone evaluated for, uh, I think it was 24,000, which was cool. So I was like, all right, that's up like 3X. And I'm, if the metaverse, I, I wonder if the metaverse will come back strong. I think maybe like it died off a bit because the AI craze took over, but I do think there's something there. There's absolutely something there, but I think that um, computer vision and augmented reality really has to become like an everyday thing before we start diving into metaverse. It, it, It almost feels like we'd be skipping steps if we didn't have that technology first, you know? So I think it's going to come back and it's going to come back strong and maybe the valuation will skyrocket then. Or maybe I'll do something with it. I think it's a cool name. Um, and the Meos one, the one I paid 18 for, that was valued at like 180 grand, like very recently. So 10 x Wow. Now yes. I, I plan on just- Sorry, on. did did you say what the
0: valuation was for first? Yeah
1: marketverse.com yeah so that one was 25 000.
0: Seven and a half to twenty-five. 25 mm. and then 20 what did you say 22 no 20 18 18 grand
1: you paid yeah yeah for mios to 180 so they gave me a range so it was 180 to 220. but the thing with like domains is you get what people will pay for them right like you might yeah. find someone who really really wants golfers marketer.com and he's willing to pay five million dollars for it. He has to have it, you know? So, right. I, you, you can't really trust those valuations, honestly, because they're third party. Like their job is to sell your domain. So, valuations in general are just so bonkers. Yeah.
0: Somebody yeah, adding yeah, yeah. a value, somebody assigning a value to something like a company. Sure. Right. Okay. Sorry. That's a different conversation. Though, I mean, good, good on you, Matt. From making those investments for having a bit of foresight like that, I, yeah, cool. <laughs> those are definitely way more substantial than my millennial serotonin potential, you know, millennial nostalgia what you, market. <laughs> what do you think of the Marketverse name? Marketverse.com. That's what you have, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, Metaverse, for a second. Yeah, yeah. I thought for a second you had Market.verse. Mm-mm. .verse doesn't exist, right? Mm, I, was, no. I misunderstood that for a minute. Okay, marketverse.com. I think that's a great name. I think you're certainly anticipating the you know commerce, the marketplace, the commerce that would happen on the metaverse. It may not even be the metaverse, but I think the name still holds. So I like it. I think that's a good buy. For 18 grand, geez.
1: Yeah, that one was seven grand, but yeah.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. That was seven, for still seven grand. That's, I mean, okay, compared to the 18 that you paid for the other one, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, they're online real estate. That's really what it is. And .coms and I guess now .ai's feel like the beachfront properties. And if you find a really good name, you should, in a developing community, you should probably buy it and hold on to it if you like it. I don't think they'll ever go down unless you buy like, so that was one of the things when I was looking for like a three or four letter dot com. First of all, I was like, it would be really cool to own like a very short dot com, you know? I was finding ones that were like spelled X R J Q. And it's like, you can't pronounce that there's no you know like you can't brand that there's nothing you can do with that but even those were thousands of dollars
0: xrq.com
1: why well, i'm i'm making up like a four letter my point is like
0: four fourletter.com though right not .ai. Yeah.
1: everything i was finding .com everything i was finding was like random scramble of letters that you can't really make out so when I found M E O S, I was like, oh, Mios."
0: Yeah, that's really good.
1: It reads, which was nice. Yeah, it's really interesting. interesting.
0: I've I've now decided that I'm <laughs> I'm just looking at I went to Google Domains. That's another rabbit hole. Okay. Yeah. Uh last question on this. $140. Do you think that's too little? Or do you think that's just right for .ai?
1: For the registration fee? I, I'm sure it, it feels like just right. I mean, they can't charge. What are they going to do? Start charging $10,000, you know? But again, like I mean, can they, they kind of own the market. Right? right, they own the .ai. AI is not going anywhere. Like this is going to be as superfluous. I don't even know if that's the right word, but like as um, it's gonna, it's. I think .ai domains, and you obviously you've been around tech a little while. You've seen the .io domain like pop up here and there, and everyone was big on that for a minute. I don't think that has nearly the same staying power as .ai. I think .com and .ai are going to be hand-in-hand, hand, staying power-wise. So, hmm? I don't know, man. Maybe they can totally up it. wonder how much control they have over that.
0: Yeah, that's. I think that's a different topic. Like, who controls that? I honestly don't know. Um, like, the world registrar, if that's a thing. All right. I think we can move on to the last bit here. For this episode which is the question that you wanted to pose I, I i don't know this question yet so right you didn't share this with me so i'm going to be reacting i'm going to answer this live you know yeah there's no, no prep for this so
1: it i think it's interesting because we uncovered some things in this podcast like carlos's hate of billionaires i don't hate <laughs> billionaires i don't think <laughs> they um, should exist <laughs> In
0: 2023 when you have starving people around the world when you have people who are making 30 grand that work 40 50 hours a week which is why regardless of where you are in the country you know like Uh, all right right.
1: i really i honestly we should really do this podcast like within the next couple because i think it'd be i I
0: agree i agree and all right but the question
1: i came across an article some mornings i just sip my coffee and i'm looking at like articles online blog posts and stuff. Uh, this one was how much money do you need to achieve oh, financial yeah. freedom? Okay.
0: Sorry. You did tell me this. financial independence.
1: Yeah. How much repeat the question? I was, I was talking there for a second. Repeat the question. How much, how much money do you need to achieve financial independence? This is something I think a lot of people don't think about a lot, like the actual number that they can then reverse engineer how to get there and work towards it. But I want to pose the question to you. Have you thought about this? What's your number? What's like your career goal? Like as a professional marketer, as a professional as a professional, as a young so, professional, as an entrepreneur, what's your goal? All right.
0: The goal, the goal is to be happy. And that's a very broad one. The second the second uh, or not second, the more specifically my goal is to have time on my hands so i want to create systems or create something that gives me that time meaning i want to have recurring like i want to have passive income right i want to i, I would like to strive to like make it so that i'm not worried if i'm you know taking these two weeks to go explore europe right or explore japan in that time period like, am I making money in that time period? I think that would be, that'd be nice. And like, am I making a decent amount of money that like is supporting my needs and wants? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't have numbers. I'm just telling like, that's generally how I think about it. I know there's a lot of ways for me to do that right now. I, there's also a, f- a feeling of like ownership and i think when i think of passive income right now i think of like youtubers who have stuff but who have videos that are making money every whatever but then but your your, your money is like you you're at the whims of youtube so while it's dependable right now and youtube as an organization really does well by their creators their content creators you're like, you don't have control of what could happen in six months. I think there's like, like broadly speaking, that's the case for a lot of people or in a a lot of businesses, right? You don't know what's going to happen in six months, but I like I would like to like have that sense of security and control, um, over my, um, whatever it is that I've created, whatever it is that I'm producing, whatever it is that I, my services are, um, that's what would make me happy. And that, like, again, I don't have numbers for you. I, I, do you, do you let, think let, you have
1: control over your time now? That's like, that's interesting. How do you view your calendar today? I, I think I have more control over my time now
0: than I did when I was working full time in house. So for the, for the listeners, I'm a full time independent marketing consultant. So I don't have a boss that I direct to or that I report to. You. Like one boss that, you know, I need to tell them where my where I am at every hour of the day. It's like, I, you know, not that full-time employees, that's what they do. But for the most part, like, you have a sense of where your employees are, I think, or, or like what they're doing, not where they are physically, what they're doing, right? Hmm. And I have clients, I they know what I'm doing, but like, it'll get done when it gets done. And you know, I'm budgeting my time accordingly. um, But at the end of the day, I'm still controlling it. I Currently, I feel like I've leveled up from where I was a few years ago with my time, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I'm independent. And that's honestly one of the biggest, one of the joys I have. Uh, Like if I want to, you know, carve out time to go play golf on a Thursday morning, you know? I can do that. And I enjoy that. That's what I like about life, about my life right now.
1: Yeah. I heard this interesting concept. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Andrew Wilkinson. I've heard He's of an him. an interesting guy um, called anti-goals. So essentially it's goals in reverse. The things you don't want, you write those out. And it's like, so for you, an anti-goal you just stated would be, you don't want someone else or some other entity to be in control of your calendar at all. So that's an anti-goal. And then you work like once you can write down the things you know you don't want, it's easier to get the things you do want because you know yeah. what to say no to.
0: Yeah. I agree.
1: Yeah. Cool concept. Uh last question before we move on to me. Um, how how you mentioned travel, like if you wanted to go travel Japan for two weeks. How important is travel to you in your everyday life?
0: Uh, Fairly important at this stage in my life. I think seeing the world is something that I want to do as a man in my 30s, right? My mid to late 30s. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't as important to me in my 20s. Um, The world doesn't mean outside of America. It also means America. And frankly, there's a lot of not just cool destinations that I want to see. There's a lot of golf courses I want to go play. So very specifically, that's something I'm doing in my life, which is golf travel, traveling for golf. Those That's important to me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, you can kind of connect the pieces to this whole golfer's marketer thing and going to play in all these golf courses. And I'm sure Japan has awesome golf courses. So you can kind of two birds, one stone the thing. But you did say you hate the people who, or you dislike the people who get around on taxes, but but there is an interesting way where you take this golfers marketer thing you turn it into some product you hold a seminar in Japan at these golf courses and you get the best of both worlds you get your business you think, expenses covered and I, then you think i haven't thought of that <laughs> oh i mean you might have that's interesting what what have you thought of share i'm interested i mean
0: I, i'm hesitant to put this out there on this podcast but that's fair. I will say, I will say that as an independent business or like as a person who owns his own business. Um, you know, my golf travel, I some, you know, I have a client who is a golf in, in the golf industry, right? And so I've traveled to go meet them at golf destinations. Right. And so that's awesome. Like I have expensed my travels some, you know, obviously business trips to go see them, but like we're playing golf too, right? right? Like golf and business is kind of, it's, you know, they go hand in hand in a lot for a lot of, in a lot of ways and in a lot of people's minds, um, the perception, right? Like deals being done on the golf course, right? Right. What point is, is that like, I think, I think a lot of people who have figured out, you know, what they want to do in life, they figured out how to like, find meaning and enjoy life and make it work for them like happy that's going back to like my original answer for to to your question like i want to be happy like that's my goal right (laughs) and like i don't you know i don't need i don't necessarily think like a billion dollars is gonna make me happy that's not what i think of when i was like oh what's gonna make you happy a billion dollars no i want like the 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 life that's gonna like give me the most meaning and happiness and joy, right? So I'm pretty happy right now in that like I figured out a way to go to these golf destinations with my golf client and make it so that I'm working. And going back to the taxes thing, I'm just taking advantage of the Not taking advantage. That's the wrong way to put it. Don't quote me on that. I am playing within the system. You know, that, that these billionaires have played with. Yeah. Really have like the billionaires have written the rules on this. That's well, again something to talk about on that podcast. Right. And yeah. So I I feel like I've, I've like figured something out. You know, I'm like doing well with life. If I'm going to like some of these places, that I'm not going to necessarily name right here, right now, but like, and there are business trips, you know, there are business trips. I've legitimately done business on these trips, right? Like we've had meetings, you know, and we've sat down and talked through strategy and stuff. Right. But we're also going to go play the golf course because we want to test our merch,
1: (laughs) you know, right. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, there's plenty of like people who run conference companies, you
0: know. Shit. I just realized. Sorry, man. I do actually have to run in a minute, so I've right, got my, yeah, time got away from us. Yeah, I do want to. ask, This was interesting. What What about you? Okay, what, I'll what, quickly I, wrap
1: this up in like seventy to ninety seconds. Sure. For me, I like you. Just want to be happy, comfortable, and enjoy what I'm doing. Um, career-wise, though, I aspire to have a publicly traded holding company of different uh, different software businesses. Ooh, that's a it. business magnet. Yeah, essentially.
0: I, wanna, that's my I goal. want to. I want you to elaborate on that. I think we should start off the next pod on that, maybe.
1: Okay. If we remember, <laughs> if we
0: remember, I'll we'll write it down. But like. Yes. So Cliffhanger, for all you listeners, check out the next episode to hear Matt's uh, goal of becoming, I'm envisioning you with the Monopoly man hat and (laughs) Monocle.
1: I might dress as him for Halloween.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think that would. (laughs) No, that's just like what came to my mind when you said, you know, conglomerate of business holdings.
1: Is that what you said? No a holding company, a publicly traded holding company.
0: A publicly traded holding company. There you go. Talk about passive income. Talk about a way to like accumulate wealth <laughs> like you know, on your own time or whatever. So, investments, yeah. right? Like investors, investors like kind of have the best job in the world, I
1: think, in a lot of ways. Oh um, yeah, for sure. I mean, Warren right. Buffett spends 95% of his day just reading books, but and eating McDonald's and drinking Coke. So, he's chilling. But yes. Carlos, what a man. Matt, or, yeah, Warren Buffett. That, um, was the
0: pod. that was the pod. Thank you for listening. Catch next episode here, Matt, and we'll talk. We'll 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 you'll hear from us then. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.